and everybody that are making their way back to their seats. Um, I do want to uh, thank you. I, I had a wonderful time on vacation. Uh, Peggy and I both had a, had a great time on vacation. And, uh, you know, I feel like I am the advertisement for the uh, Copper Tone um, ad. Uh, you know, I, I sat out on the beach, uh, you know, just about all day, just about every day. Uh, you know, for two, uh, at least for a week and a half uh, before the clouds moved in and the storm, uh, you know, that came in right, uh, you know, during that time. But I had a great time. I was able to uh, to kind of reconnect with uh, my wife. Uh, this was the first vacation that Peg and I have taken that was just us. Uh, now, the first three, first four days with, with were was with some friends from Mississippi, but that was a good time. We had fun. We played games, card games and stuff up until 11, 12 o'clock at night. It was a good thing that we had a house that we were renting that, you know, for that part of the trip instead of a condo because we would have been kicked out by night two. Uh, you know, the laughter and the noise that was going on with the card games, uh, you know, get adults into card games and you figure, uh, you know, it would be nice and calm, but no. Oh, man, we had a good time. Uh, you know, but I do, I, I thank you all for allowing me to do that. And, and yes, we had a great time. I don't know about y'all, but uh, whenever you go on vacation, you normally go to kind of relax and, and recharge a little bit, right? And, uh, you know, I did that. I, I went to relax and recharge. But all too often, I find myself that I also go on vacation uh, like this one here. And I, I go specifically to get something from God. Um, I, I want to commune with him and, and to talk with him and meet with him and, and get something anew and afresh uh, from him. And I want you to know that I was really frustrated with this particular vacation because, uh, you know, two weeks into the vacation, I haven't really heard anything from God. Now, I had been communing with God and he had been talking to me, but I wanted something new and I wanted a new message and I wanted a new direction for us to go and all this that I wanted to pile into this vacation. And, uh, you know, I, I recall that, uh, you know, I was sitting there on the beach that morning or this morning and I had set up the chairs and it was really just me. And I think there were a couple of people that was possibly walking along, picking up shells and stuff. But I had my ear pods in and I was listening to praise and worship music and just praising God. And I got this message. So, I want to give you this as a free message this morning. Now, this has nothing to do with the real message, but I want to give you something extra so that you would know that it was worthwhile coming into church today. Uh, you know, so as I was sitting there, this word grace came into my mind. So I smoothed out this place in the sand and I wrote grace. And as I sat there and I listened to the music and listened for God's word a little bit more, uh, you know, I would say it, it felt like about five or six minutes went by, but it was, uh, you know, a couple of, at least an hour, hour and a half. And I got this word. Grace comes in patience. There are times that God tells us that you need to have patience to receive his grace. Because they're all too often that we get anxious. Like I was anxious to hear from God. 
I wanted a new direction. I wanted a new path that God was going to have for us to go so that the church would grow and we would flourish. God says, John, there's times that I just need you to be patient for the grace. And as we think back, God's grace always shows up right on time. But there are times that we need to be patient. So as you think about that, be patient because God does have a good word for us today. I would like for you to turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 13. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. This morning as we think about this, and as we think about this time and this place that we are in, we are experiencing things that we have never experienced before, right? We are, and if you noticed, and I, I don't know, I, I think we... We need to possibly check ourselves. We need to refocus, uh, you know, whatever that, that it may be or whatever you might want to say. But I listened to the news for about 25, 30 minutes yesterday, and I had enough of it. But in that 30-minute period of time, they are talking about there's a new outbreak. Uh, you know, over in France, they're talking about shutting things down again. They are going in and they are, they actually have certain parts over there that are in total shutdown because of the pandemic, because of the outbreak. Once again, Utah here in the United States has had more cases in the last couple of days, in the last couple of weeks than they've ever had. There are numerous cities that are having record breaking days as far as numbers of people coming down with the virus or even being in hospitalized because of the virus. I'm not here to preach on the virus. I'm here to kind of talk to us and say we need to be smart and we need to make sure that we take care of ourselves so that we don't have to go through the struggles of this disease and whatever it would be. But through this and even on that, in that little portion of time that I listened to the news, one of the, uh, you know, the, uh, the people talking said that this election coming up is a key election for our, for the United States. And I thought about that. I'm like, you know, aren't all elections important? What would make this election any more important than any other election? Yes, I believe that we are at some type of a crossroads. But in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, we have Paul is talking to the church and he is talking to 
the group of believers. He is writing this letter to the church in Philippi, to the Philippians. So these are believers. And Paul is telling these believers that they need to unite. So I have entitled this passage or this message for you this morning. Standing united from within. Now, I've also said many times in my ministry, and especially throughout this year and all the things that we have been facing, this world is not going to get any better. It's not. The only way that this world is going to get better is if Jesus Christ was to return. But whenever we look at this and we understand this, the only way that we can have unity is through Jesus Christ. The only way that we can have unity is if we find commonality. Our commonality and what we find together that unites us together is not our government. Our government is not going to bring about peace. Peace will only come whenever we unite in a common or with a common bond. Now, whenever we think about a common bond and a commonality, that would be something like this. I have a common bond with fellow golfers. Now, I'm not good at golfing, but I have a common bond with fellow golfers Because I golf. So if I meet up with someone that golfs, I have something to talk to them about. We have a common bond that we have together. You get it? If you fish, you have commonality with the other fishermen. I used to. I used to have fishing poles. I don't have any more fishing poles. I gave them all to my two boys. I don't even have fishing license anymore. I've lost my commonality with fishermen. I used to play basketball. I used to play baseball, football, sports. I used to play it, but now all I can do is talk about what I watched on TV. I want you to know I watched part of the UCF and Memphis game, and I watched part of the North Carolina and Florida game, or Florida State. Part of them. Didn't watch all of them. I've really kind of gotten away with, you know, don't get me on to professional sports. Because whenever I sit down at a TV and I want to watch sports, I don't want to watch political movements. I want to watch sports. I, I don't want to watch the basketball people boycotting because of whatever. I, I want to watch basketball. So whenever you watch college sports, you're watching players that really want to play football. Okay, I've said too much about that. Commonality. About having a common bond. Some have turned to Philippians chapter 2, and you're sitting right there ready for me to read verse 1, right? Well, I'm going to do that, but I'm most probably not going to be reading it from the translation that you have. So we have it on the board here. And for those of you that's watching online, we will have it on the screen for you as well. 
The translation that I'm going to be in is the new or the NASB that we start with here. And I wanted to go here because it starts with this word, therefore. And whenever we see the word, therefore, we have to go and find why it's therefore. And to find out why it's therefore, we have to go up to verse 27 of chapter 1. And the therefore is there because of verses 27, 28, 29, and 30 of chapter 1. So that's why they're there. But this passage of Scripture also stands alone. So we're going to look at it as it's standing alone as Paul giving us this message that he has right here for us. So it says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tender tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete and bring and by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the spirit and one of mine. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. Wow. To the interest of the others. Let's, let's pause there for a moment and, and let's unpack all of this. Because whenever we unpack this, and we talk about being united, the first thing that we have to get and that we need to grab a hold to, if you would translate the word that they have translated here for if, in the Greek, ia, you would also get that that word, ia, would also have the same meaning or carries the same meaning as sense. So I want us to understand and to grab here. Paul understands and knows the people that he's writing to. And he knows that these people love God. And that they have experienced the mighty salvation power from Jesus Christ. And they are following him as their Lord and Savior. So the word if should properly, proper, properly should be. Trans, translated as since. Since you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, since any comfort from His love, since any common sharing in the Spirit, since any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. See, it's not if you have experienced this, but it's since you have experienced this. If everyone, if anyone has truly came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they have felt His compassion. They have His courage or His encouragement 
and they have been comforted by His love. So it's not if, it's not like Paul is asking the question, if you have felt this or if you have received this, it is since you have received this. Since you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, since you are living and following His commands and what He has for you in your life, then make my life complete by doing what? Make my joy complete by being like-minded. By having the same love. By sharing or by one in spirit and of one mind. So he says that since you have this, Make my joy complete by doing this. By having one mind. By loving and having the same love. By having the same spirit and living within that spirit. The last time that I had the opportunity to speak and to preach from behind this podium, I told you that we as Christians, that we are supposed to receive our joy from the lives of others. You remember that? Our joy comes from the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ and other people receiving Him as their Lord and Savior. That is exactly what Paul is saying here. Since you have received these things, then make my joy complete by living united, by living in one heart, by having one love, by worshiping the one spirit and having one mind. Wow. Are we missing this this morning? Are y'all still in the fall stupor? This is good stuff. We all have experienced Jesus Christ. If, if you have professed Him as your Lord and Savior, and you have asked for forgiveness of your sins, and you have received Him into your heart, then we are all sitting here and we all should be of like mind. We should all have the same love and we should be living in the same spirit, minding what the Spirit has for us to do. We have a common bond. How many of the people here that are sitting in the sanctuary with you right now that you have told them what Jesus Christ has done for you in saving you from your sins. I bet you everybody in here would know part, if not all, of your salvation story. Because we have shared and we share within the same Spirit. So we have that 
commonness that we have. Being united and having a common bond with other fishermen is not going to create peace in your life. Having commonality with the people that's here in your church Having a common spirit. The only way. That we will ever achieve. Unity. Is through Jesus Christ. There is absolutely nothing in this world. That will create or generate. Unity. Like the spirit of God. We have this political realm that we are in. And like I said, we will not receive peace. And this world will not be in peace because so-and-so gets elected. Or so-and-so doesn't get elected. The only way that we will have peace is if we join together with the Spirit of Jesus Christ living within us. And then we do what? I think we all need to go outside and come back in. There's words that is just flying right over your head that should be hitting you right smack in the head. Paul gives it to us in the next part of the scripture and he gives us the supreme showing or the supreme example of humility. Here I'm going to be reading to you from the easy reading translation in your relationship with one another have the same mindset as as Christ Jesus who being the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage rather He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made human in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Even death on the cross. So let us unpack this portion because we see that Paul is talking to us and Paul is calling us and Paul is saying, look, if you have received this stuff or since you have received all of this from Jesus Christ and from that relationship, then you need to be united as one. You need to come together and stand with one mind in the same love and the same spirit of mindedness that we worship Jesus Christ and we follow Him and Him alone. And then he says, the only way that you can do that is if you humble yourself as in the way that Jesus Christ humbled Himself. So let's look at this. Jesus Christ, God, left heaven. He left 
the streets of gold. He left the gate that is made out of a pearl. He left the crystal sea. He left His Father. He left all of the glory that is in heaven that we are working so hard to get to. He left it. And came down to this dirty rock. Earth. In the midst of all of this chaos. In the midst of all of the struggles. He entered this earth. And He walked on this earth for 33 years. He left heaven. And became a servant. See, it says that he didn't feel that him being God was worth being used for his benefit. He left heaven for you. He left the glory place that you're trying to work so hard for so that you can get there. Because he loved you more than he loved that. No, he loved his father. More than he loved that. But that would be like a billionaire having money, having the billion dollars, but being homeless. Jesus, wherever he died on the cross, I want you to see this. And, and Jesus was not a victim of the religious rulers or the political powers of the Roman government. Jesus Christ was not a victim at any point in time of His crucifixion or the brutal beating prior to the crucifixion. Jesus left heaven and earth, to, to come to earth so that He would go through that punishment. The religious leaders didn't do it. He willingly walked into it. The Roman government didn't bring it about. He willingly allowed them to do it. They didn't take His life. The Scripture says that Jesus Christ gave up his spirit to his father. There was absolutely nothing that those people did that Jesus did not allow them to do. Because of his obedience. Because he was more worried about you and I than himself. At any point in time, through any of the trial, through any of Jesus' life, He could have called the legion of angels to come down and to pick Him up and take Him right back to heaven. It was His choice. But He chose to stay. He humbled Himself. That would be just like you going into work tomorrow and seeing on the bulletin board 
that there's this promotion. And you're doing everything that you can to get that promotion. Regardless of what it meant for anyone else. That you're going to get that promotion. My son, my youngest son, did this. I've done it. Take a job. Whenever you take that job, it takes you away from church and it takes you away from your family. And we say that that's a job that God opened up for me. That's a job that we decided that we wanted to take because we were going to fix whatever the problem was. Instead of humbling ourselves and allowing God to continue to work and to provide the exact job that He knew that we needed. See, we do things because society has told us and has taught us that the strongest survives. King of the Hill. How many of you played that one? How many of you played King of the Hill? Any of the ladies ever played Queen of the Hill? King of the Hill. It's, it's, it's the fight. It's the strongest that can stand on that mountaintop. Society tells us that if you're not strong enough to take care of yourself, if you're not willing to look out for yourself, if you're not willing to take care and to do the things that you need to provide for your family, then nobody else is. Jesus Christ left heaven so that we can get there. Jesus Christ left heaven, left the gold streets so that one day we would be able to live there with Him. He saw that it was more important for Him to leave heaven and to come to this earth so that we would all be able to get there. Is there ever a moment in time that you looked at something and you said, yes, I can get that, but it would be better for someone else to receive it. Yes, I can cause this to happen, but it would be better for someone else if it didn't happen. Yes, kids. I can put food on the money, you know, food on the table and I can have money and stuff if I go back into the car business. But I want you to know that I'll be working 12 and 13 and 14 hours a day, six and maybe even seven hours a day. I won't be able to spend it with you. Is that better for you or is it better for the kids? At that particular point in time in my life, it was better for me. But whenever I missed my last, my youngest son, I missed his first steps. I missed his first words. 
I missed those things because I was too worried about working, about making money. I wasn't worried about God providing. Jesus Christ humbled Himself and He did something so that we would have the opportunity to have a right relationship with His Father. Are we willing to humble ourselves so that someone else can receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Are we willing to step aside and allow God to work in someone else's life? Not because of something that I've done, but because of something that He's done. This morning, I asked the congregation at that point in time how long they thought the board would allow me to stay here if I walked in in this next board meeting and told them, because I'm the pastor, we are no longer going to have Wednesday night service, and we're not going to have Sunday night service, and we're not going to have Sunday school. All we're going to do is we're going to concentrate all week long on having just Sunday morning services. How long do you think I would be here? I said about five minutes with the board that I had. I, I want you to know, and, and don't take this the wrong way. It's a whole lot easier for me to prepare for one message throughout the week. That I preach twice on Sundays. It's a whole lot easier for me to do that than it is to prepare for a Sunday morning message and a Sunday night message and a Wednesday night message and a Tuesday morning Bible study and a Thursday night Bible study. It's a whole lot easier just to do one. But the group of people need more. The people that God has placed in my care need more. So I humble myself before God and before you and I do what is needed for you to grow in your knowledge of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the example that Jesus Christ is giving to us. Please don't take it that I'm haughty in, in telling you what I'm giving up. I've, I've lost the notes long way out there. So Jesus is that perfect example for us. But see, then Paul continues and he goes on. And, and let's look at verse 9. And verse 9 is going to be from the New Living Translation. And verse 9 starts off with therefore. But we've already talked about the therefore. Okay, so the therefore is in verses 5 through 8. So therefore, 
God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So do you see this? Jesus Christ, God, came from heaven, left all of that, became a servant, humbled himself, became a low servant, not only to death, but to death on the cross. And because he did that, God the Father raised him to the highest of everyone, that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If we give of ourselves, God will give in abundance. We will never be able to outgive. If we humble ourselves and give of ourselves, God will bless us more than any other person or any other time that we would ever be blessed. If that ever makes sense to you. Jesus Christ left earth or left heaven to come to earth. And what did his father do? His father glorified him above everyone. That every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Because he was willing to humble himself. Are we willing to humble ourselves today, and allow God to work, and do what he needs and wants to do within our lives. Man. Humbling ourselves here on this earth. That brings to my mind, the last shall be first. The last here on this earth shall be first in heaven. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves before God. Humble yourselves before your fellow Christians. Let's go back. In verse 4. Or let's go, I'm sorry, let's go to verse 3. It says, do this by doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Do nothing out of selfishness. And then it says, rather in humility, value others above yourself. Jesus Christ did that. Not looking to your own interest, but each to you, each of you, to the interest of others. I, I've said this. I, I don't come to church for myself. I come to church for all the other people that are looking at me that profess to be a Christian, and I let them see. God and know how important He is in my life. I asked you this morning to start off the service. What have you done throughout the week 
to experience God this morning. Because if you've done absolutely nothing throughout this week to prepare your heart to experience God this morning, you will not experience Him. We do not live by Sunday morning alone. There has to be this daily giving of ourselves to Jesus Christ and this daily devotion that we have with Him that prepares our hearts to receive the words that God has given me this morning. You can't receive it if you do absolutely nothing but live in the world this morning. Your heart is not prepared. Because whenever you do, if you haven't prepared during this week, and if you're honest with yourself and you walked in this morning, if you were even open to God moving in your life, the words that came out of your mouth or that was spoken in your head is what can I get from God today? Instead of being worried about your fellow Christian that needs God's help. That needs strength from God today because of the struggles that they've had. Our walk with Christ is an individual walk. But it's an individual walk that is walked in front of everyone else. Paul said that he receives his joy because he knows that these people are following Jesus Christ. He receives his joy from that. Now, now don't get me wrong. At 6.15 this morning, I walked into this sanctuary and I sat down on that front pew. I threw my arms back on the pew, on the back of the pew, and I said, God, fill me. Fill me today. But I was asking God to fill me so that I could give you the Word of God. If I was just simply asking God to fill me so that I would feel good, I've missed the boat. We humble ourselves before God. And in humbling ourselves before God, we worry about other people. We think about their interests. We think about the things that would be good for them. But let me continue on. Because the principle of this we find in verses 12. 13. And we have another therefore. It says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed. Now, this is the church that he's writing to. He says, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
For it is God who works in you to, the, to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. So let's look at this because Paul is writing to this specific church. But I want us to take it to us today and say in his that it says, dear friends, you have always obeyed. Dear friends, Rock Hill First Church of the Nazarene, you have always obeyed. Whenever I was there. In your presence. But even much more now that I'm not in your presence. I said that. I said a lot of things today. Hopefully you've caught them all. And I said I was going to close and I am going to close. But this really just simply popped in. I said that things are going to get worse in this world. And not too long from now, we will not be able to gather together with like-minded people in this church. There will come a time that persecution will be so hard that we will not be able to meet together in this large gathering. If you are not ready, you will not withstand the onslaught. His presence is here. God is with us. His Holy Spirit is moving within our midst. Now you can take this wherever you want to. But we know that there's a time within the tribulations that the Spirit will be removed from this world. I pray to God that the church will not be here whenever that happens. We also know through Scripture that the longer this goes, that the longer God tarries, that more and more people will fall away. It says if He wouldn't cut short these days, then everybody would turn away. If you don't understand the Word of God and what Paul is talking about here, then you will not be able to withstand the persecution of the church. And you will not follow Christ. You will not be able to handle it whenever He is no longer here. He says, stand and be obedient. He says, continue working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Continue working it out. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. Do you see this? Paul gives us a paradox at the end of this. He tells us that you need to work out your salvation through fear and trembling. And he says, for it is God who works In you. He says you need to work out your salvation. Yes there are things that we need to do. 
We need to pray. We need to read our scripture. We need to meet with like-minded people. We need to talk to God. We need to study His Word. We need to prepare ourselves for the persecution that's going to come. We need to prepare ourselves for the struggle. But in the midst of this, He says that it's not you working, but it's God working in you. There's the paradox. You can't simply sit on the pew and do what God wants you to do. He says you have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But the works that you do is Him working in your life. That as He works in your life, then you move into action and you begin to do the things that He is working in your life so that it does what? What does it do? It fulfills His good purpose. It's not your good purpose. It's not my good purpose. It's not the good purpose that this world puts in front of us. It's His good purpose. But we can only do it through Him. I can tell I've gotten really excited about this. My throat's really starting to hurt me now. So let me close this for you. I I, I mean it. I'm really going to close this. Because whenever we look at this particular passage of scripture, Scripture, we have to understand that He is calling us to unity. We must be unified. We have to be unified in heart, mind, and spirit. But the only way that we can do that is through Jesus Christ in our lives, working in us and through us. The only way that this world will be able to experience peace is through Jesus Christ. It's not through the government. It's not through a job. It's not through a spouse. It's not through your children. It is through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone that we will experience true unity. Amen. Final. Done. Let us stand. I'm going to open up the altar. Because I'm just as human as you are. And I struggle at times with humility. I struggle at times, with humbly bowing myself before God and putting other people's interest ahead of mine. The only way that we can experience unity as a church, as a believer, or as a community is if we humble ourselves before Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, the altar is open for you this morning. If there is a little bit of you that is not humble this morning, place it before God and allow Him to humble your heart. going to tarry long there's some that are already made their way here 
there others? Paul knew that humility would be something that would be very difficult for us to do. That's why he lets us understand that we can't do it without Jesus Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, dear Lord, so much for today. God, I thank you for the opportunity to have brought this message to these people, to the ones that are here and to the ones that are watching on Facebook. God, I believe this is a word that we really need to hear. God, I pray that you would be with the ones, dear Lord, that's at the altar that are humbly bowing before you. God, I pray, dear Lord, that you would be with the ones that are home. God, that's heard this word. And dear Lord, they humbly bow before you as their Lord and Savior. And God, they see and they understand. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that in their humbleness that you would lift them to mighty works. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that you would be one with the ones that are in the audience that are humbling themselves before you right now. But God, for some reason, they're afraid to come to the altar. God, I pray that you would be with them. God, that you would stir within their hearts. and God, that they would be able to stand firm for you. That they won't stand in the closet. That they won't hide behind the doors or the curtains. God, that they would stand out in the open for you. In Jesus' name, amen.